I'm Sean from Offload Rugby Media. I'm Simeon from the TikTok Ref. Guys, I'm Murray, also known as Boss for Rugby HQ. And you're listening to the Rugby Connection Podcast. For the fans, by fans. Um, hello and welcome to uh, episode four, I believe, of Guest Thursdays on the Rugby Connection Podcast. We're joined today by a special guest, Scott Ferrara, also known as the big guy from the Rugby Rant Podcast and from Rugby United New York Supporters Club. Scott, thanks for coming on. Welcome to the show. How are you keeping? I'm doing well, guys. Thank you so much for the invite. You know me. I love talking about rugby. I love having my fat face on podcasts. So, uh, of course, when you guys were... First of all, congratulations on getting this podcast together. Um, It's been wonderful so far. I mean, I've been listening and watching all of them. They're great. So it's just an honor to be on. Thank you. Thank you, Scott, for those kind words. Um, So the first question I have for you is, how did you first get into rugby and um, what's your rugby life like now? Um, well, I think my story is typical of most rugby players uh, right now in America, how they learn. Um, you either learn it, you learn it a couple ways. You either learn it through your family, you know, your father played club rugby or your brother played club rugby. You learn it through kind of osmosis. You kind of know somebody who knows somebody. And then you, you kind of pique your interest or you go to college, university, as you guys would say. And you know, rugby's a club sport here, so they pretty much take everybody. And uh, if you wanted to, to play a sport, you'd play it. So I kind of have a, had a mix of all those. Um, for me, um, I learned about rugby through a teacher in high school. Um, he played club rugby, you know, and I guess pretty much just like everybody else in America, you learn the first two teams you learn are the Eagles and the All Blacks, right? Um, that's kind of generally how guys learn. Um, this was back when, like, you would have to, like, buy a match for, like, 75 or 80 American dollars per match to watch it on satantasports.com, and the feed was terrible, and there was no commentary. Um, so so that was always fun to watch, like, Tri-Nations and all that and, and bring up your mother's credit card. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, then, and then going through that, actually playing like most people, uh, I started playing at, at college. Um, again, I played four years there. Internet. <laughs> sorry, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> listen we're trying to do this we're going we're going international with this bad boy so it's cool yeah. <laughs> um yeah so i was saying before you know you have to pay for a lot of stuff obviously paying for your own equipment and sometimes you have to pay for guys to show up to play uh, especially if you didn't have the numbers um i mean in particular we had a women's team and we had some women playing on the men's side if we didn't have the numbers so it's i think that's a a typical experience on how somebody in america uh, is getting into rugby and, and their first playing experience. Uh, as far as, yeah, as far as, sorry, as far as right now, I've, you had a second part. Um, I'm currently not playing. Uh, I had an a injury when I was playing uh, high, men's league hockey in my neck. And, and at that point I said, you know, I want to work and not be on disability. So I'm just going to get step out of uh, contact sports for a while. But, you know, I am a supporter. Obviously I have the rugby ranch show. Uh, you know, I, I run the uh, rugby United fan club. You know, I'm deep in the MLR. I'm deep into the Eagles. I, I at this point, I can call a, a handful of these guys really good friends, which is always nice to say. Um, so, yeah, that's where I'm at. That's amazing. Um, I was quite interested to hear that. The one that, that caught me off guard there, um, Scott, was when you had to like rent an ambulance. Like that doesn't, that obviously doesn't happen over here. It's all free. So that that kind of was a bit interesting to hear. And the whole hundred dollars for a year. Would be like a tackle pad's like a hundred dollars. So there's your budget one and one go. So <laughs> seriously, no, and, and the ambulance, you know, because you would want to make sure that it's there on site. You wouldn't want to. I mean, you could call an ambulance. Obviously, you can call emergency services, 
but for our you know matches per the the union you had to have something on site you know god forbid there was a you know a, a timely injury you needed an expert there for um so that was always fun because you'd always rent them and then they never show up anyway and then you'd go on and you and just play but you know it's it's all the fun stuff that's, that's, that's totally different to how i'm guessing how <laughs> me and sean would definitely because we obviously have the like the medical professions like the paramedics and the ambulance they are on standby but like there was no charge or anything that that's just really caught me off guard and um, <laughs> i mean we're not I, talking like thousands and thousands of dollars it would be like you know you're playing a match for however long you say probably rent them for four hours because you have an a side and a b side right and you'd mm-hmm. say okay it's a hundred bucks and you know you'd pay them and then probably 50 percent of the time they'd actually show up <laughs> That's even worse. <laughs> um, so you, you're a big uh, rugby union New York fan, like Sean. Um, how do you think they're doing in the MLR season so far? And what do you think they could achieve with the rest of the season still going on? I mean, I'll, I'll start with the second part of that question. You know, I think they can go all the way and win the shield. There's a big shield for whatever reason that the MLR has as their trophy. Um, it's a little ridiculous. It's it's very hard to hold. It's very heavy, according to my friends in Seattle who've won it uh, two years in a row. Um, but I think I think Rooney can go all the way. Um, they do have a bunch of guys missing out of their squad uh, the next couple of weeks for internationals. Um, and uh, you know, you guys are used to that. You know, with with the prem and 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 fourteen and all that. Um, you know, Americans aren't used to it because, j- to be honest, in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen. Uh, I think we only lost them for a week in the middle of the season due to how the season was scheduled. But because of COVID, we had to change the season and the season got pushed into the international window. So now you're losing your guys, you know, two or three matches before the the playoffs, right? So that's, you know, if you're fighting for a position, for example, Rooney lost both their starting locks and their open side flanker because they all start for Team USA. Uh, They lost one of their starting wings because he starts for, for Rugby Canada. And they lost one of their backup props slash hookers because he's the starting hooker for Brazil. So coming into a place where they're right now on the outside looking in for playoffs, it's kind of scary because you miss those guys. But as you guys know, next man up. Um, so right now they're sitting uh, in third place. And if they win next week and if they win the week after, they have a playoff spot and they would play uh, Atlanta for the semifinal. And then if they win, they would play whoever won the, the semifinal in the Western Conference. It's a typical American bracket style playoff that, that we play. Yeah, because you've got the Western, Co- well, you just said the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference. Um, you mentioned Seattle because uh, they were previous winners. I think I picked Seattle to be my MLR team just out of sheer laziness because I'm a Seahawks fan for the NFL. So I was just, you know what, Seattle, there we go. Just I'll just stick to the same place. <laughs> it's easier that way. But what made me laugh is when they introduced the MLR, um, they did a like, big hype video and. Obviously, I never watched it the first season, but I watched like the recap when it finished, and it said that Seattle uh, won it and they were underdogs. I was like, "It's the first season. How can they be underdogs? Like they're all on the. Like, it's the first season. Nobody's oh. favorites or Well, they were no, they were they were an underdog in that in the game. So you know, right. were, yeah, yeah, that's so coming in, they weren't expected to win it. Uh, you know, San Diego uh, has has had a really powerhouse squad um, in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen. Um, but yeah, so it's it was more of reference to that that matchup. All right, that's fine. Because when I heard, I was like, "That's the first season. How can how can you have an underdog in the first season of a new ch- tournament?" But that's fine. Thank you for clearing, clearing that up for me, Scott. 
<laughs> I love it. I love it. It's funny. We, you know, we have a lot of international fans. I mean, specifically in the Rudy fan club, we have this one guy, Dennis from Paris, France. Um, and he watches all, all you know, the Rudy matches on TRN now for free. So if, if you want to watch uh, um, MLR, uh, you can catch it on the rugbynetwork.com or the rugby network app. It's free to anybody internationally outside of North America and they show replays. So that's, that's, you know, four or five matches a weekend you guys can watch while, you know, you're not watching the lines because of, of these COVID issues, you know? Um, Scott, actually, I was going to ask you for... Uh, I was going to be checking to slide them. Sorry, I cut across you there. Um, Scott, I was just going to ask you, for people who aren't familiar or too familiar with Major League Rugby, would you mind giving a brief overview in terms of how the league started and how it's grown over the past couple of seasons? Absolutely. So officially the league started, I believe, in, in 2015 with the first four owners coming together to say we we're going to do this product. 2018 officially started where they actually had league play. Um, at the time, there was only eight teams. Um, and pretty much it was just top one and two played each other for a championship. Uh, moving into 2019, uh, we rolled in with I count, sorry, 11 teams. Um, and then we had a formal playoff structure. Uh, which it mirrors this structure, you know, top two in the Eastern play and the top two in the Western play each other. Those winners play each other for a championship. Um, 2020, they were going to actually have 13 teams. Um, it seems as though we're adding one or two teams a, a year at this point and then have three guys on each side come in to play a playoff. So the top one in each conference would have a bye week that first playoff weekend. Two would play three. Then whoever the winner was would play number one and then the two winners combined. Um, so going into this season, because they had to push everything back, they kind of went and they skipped that extra playoff push. Um, but we're, we have 12 teams this season, uh, split evenly, six and six in each conference. Um, you play, you know, four points for a win, uh, you know, two points for a tie. You have two opportunities at bonus points. Um, you know, four plus tries get you in the bonus within seven points uh, of, a, of a differential gets you into the bonus, which is a tough thing for a lot of Americans to understand when they're first learning it. So. I have a, a good friend of mine who works for the New York Giants for the past uh, 15 years, and I'm explaining the – and he's like, so you're telling me a team can lose and still get two points in the in the standings? I'm like, yeah. He goes, but that doesn't – but they lost. I'm like, but they got bonus points, you know. So it's, 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 it's getting there. So you have – what you really have is you have all these diehard rugby fans, guys like me who have been, you know, in the American system watching, playing – watching what goes on in Europe, watching what goes on in the Southern Hemisphere. And you have guys like my buddy, Chris, who are just friends and they see it and they, while they don't understand it, they enjoy it while they're watching it, right? They, they have no idea what's going on, but they enjoy the play. They enjoy the hit. They enjoy, you know, actually seeing a scrum and then being explained, you know, because in America, a lot of sporting uh, uh, commentators will say, oh, they're in a scrum. Meanwhile, they're just in a big fat pile punching each other, especially in hockey, right? It's not really a scrum. Um, so when you explain to an American who's who what an actual scrum is and they see it, it's almost like poetry in motion. You can see their eyes like, oh, oh, that makes sense now, you know? Yeah, no, totally. Um, I was going to ask, because obviously the Major League Rugby has grown over the last three years, but was it in 2014-15 the Pro Rugby tried to get going that Pro Rugby League? So how does Major League Rugby compare to Pro Rugby and why is Major League Rugby better, essentially? Well, I think it's the structure. So Pro Rugby... I mean, don't get me wrong. So the MLR currently owns the rights to everything, but there's individual owners for the teams, right? So the Bolton group is the majority owner for Rooney versus pro rugby where pro owned every team. 
The other thing that happened with pro rugby is it kind of stopped. So it went from Ohio to California and the teams were all in that area. There was nothing East coast. And to be honest, the East coast has a lot of rugby fans. Right. And to me, it felt like, you know, giving California two teams off the bat was kind of, didn't make sense to me, um, you know, in pro rugby, um, their, the television deals they were doing um, were kind of like they weren't doing it with the local television station. So it, it's it's for European fans, for UK fans. So I live in New York, right? So New York has two baseball teams, the Mets and the Yankees, right? They have their own television channels. So when the Mets play, they're on the Mets channel, SNY. And when the Yankees play, they're on the Yes Network. And that's just something in football. Um, the Giants will be on a specific channel. They're usually on um, – uh, um, NBC or Fox, and then the Jets will always be on CBS, right? So because pro rugby didn't have that availability for everybody to see, you had to see if your cable had this package. Then it didn't have the package. You were at shit out of luck. They weren't putting anything on the internet. How are you going to even watch the games as a diehard fan? You know, so, so at certain points, you're following it on Twitter, you know, live Twitter feeds, it's not, and that's not fun. So I think pro, their issue was they grew a little bit too fast and they didn't have the availability of pushing things out. Whereas in the MLR, before they had TRN, internationally, they were still putting these matches out for free on their Facebook page. You know, So in 2018, and 2019, if, if you wanted to watch American professional rugby, you could on Facebook for free. You know? so, and, and that's the kind of spread that we saw internationally. And then internally, like you know, Rugby United New York was on SNY, the Mets channel in 2019. This year, they're on MSG, the Madison Square Garden Network, which hosts the New York Knicks and the New York Rangers. So now you have what you've done is you've associated that team with the big teams, right? In your state, you know, everybody knows the New York Knicks, right? If you're a hockey fan, you know, the New York Rangers. So I think getting in that mix is really what's the difference between where pro started and ended and where MLR has started and is starting to kind of creep up there as a, as a professional league. Yeah, no, that's class. Um, what I was going to ask, sorry, I don't know why I keep saying that, but uh, <laughs> what, what has been your favorite moment from Major League Rugby so far? Oh, gosh. I got to be honest. Um, you know, a lot of people, if, if you're – it's hard to say. You know, as a Rooney fan, obviously there's moments, right? So, like, for just being a Rooney fan and what in America we call being a homer, um, the first uh, home match for Rooney uh, against Toronto – um, where it was played in Brooklyn at MCU Park, right on the water, um, you know the oceans right there, and um, behind it is the Cyclone, which is which is a um, a uh, oh god a uh, <laughs> roller coaster, a roller coaster, you know, a famous roller coaster in Brooklyn. There we go. It's been a long day, fellas. Sorry about that. <laughs> and, you know, it was it was freezing cold, and Rudy won at the death. You know, that's something you always going to remember, right? Um, but I think overall. I would say right now would, would just be the completion of this season. If, if I was an MLR fan that had been following it, with all that happened in 2020 where week five we just shut down the competition, obviously the whole world shut down, right? You had guys like uh, New York's James Rochford who had a baby, came over here for three weeks and played, and then didn't know he, if he was going to get back to Cork to visit his brand-new child and, and, and wife. You know, th like think about that. And then now he's playing with Rugby United New York we played a full season. We haven't had any matches uh, suspended due to anything COVID related. And we're almost at, at the time for a championship. Like in my mind, as far as we've come, you know, other, other 
other brands probably would have shut down. They would have just kind of been killed, you know? And that's not what happened. MLR paid all of their players who are under contract their full salary for the season. You know, they they went into a deficit to make sure the pairs got played, knowing that they're knowing that there was unknown about this COVID thing. So I think it just goes to show you, you know, if you put the right thing in the world, the right thing's gonna come back. Yeah, dude, that's that's some serious planning and resilience by the league from doing all of that. Like to have no games postponed or cancelled due to COVID this season. That's crazy. Like that's myself and Murray, we know through the Pro 14, the amount of games we've had to sit through that didn't go ahead or whatever. <sighs> That's, yeah, I know. That's, yeah, definitely. I mean, even just look at tonight, the Lions game got yeah. pushed back an hour because there was a COVID outbreak. And luckily it did happen, but me and Sean, I'll go into that in further detail on the next episode. I've got a question, <laughs> I've got a question for you, Scott, just because you mentioned that you watch uh, the Northern Hemisphere rugby like the Premiership and the Pro 14, and you also watch Southern Hemisphere rugby. Have you got any, like, maybe like top five favourite teams from across the board, apart from... Your beloved Rooney. Uh, well, I'm a big Saracens fan. Um, no, no. I, know, I, know. I was no. waiting for it. I was waiting for it. Listen, I've been a Saracens fan since Chris Wiles was there. Um, you know, I'm obviously being you know American. Um, Chris Wiles was actually born, you know, uh, actually probably about uh, uh, 30 or 40 minutes away from me. So knowing that that's a big thing too. Knowing that when you first learn, oh, like not only is this guy on Team USA, you know, and he's playing in in the UK and, and playing in the Prem. He, he like lives close to me, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's a yeah, connection yeah. when you're, you're the, at that age where you're like, oh man, like that's a big deal. Um, and, you know, going through, um, you know, got to meet TT Lemus Atelli one, one time on my honeymoon. So I'll tell you guys this. So we went on our honeymoon to, to the UK, we went to London and uh, my wife is a big uh, Jane Austen fan. So we went to her house and we went to the Jane Austen museum in Bath. So of course the rugby shop wasn't open there in Bath at the time. Um, then we went to where she's buried at, at, at a cathedral and all this stuff. So I said, okay, the one thing I need to do is I need to try and see if I can get to a Saracens match. Knock on wood, the Saracens are playing home at the time. I think they're playing Sharks. Not only that, it's Six Nations. And I, in my head, when we booked it, I went, huh, it's Six Nations. Maybe TT will get a start and I'll be able to watch. You know, that will be a big deal for me. And then wouldn't you know it, they put up the, the match day 23 and TT starting. And I'm going, holy shit. So we walk into Allianz in the pouring rain. It was freezing. And funny, we went in February, six days in London. It was sunny. I was wearing shorts and a t-shirt. People were looking at me like I was weird. Because back in New York, it was like eight degrees, you know, freezing. So I, it was summer to me. Anyway, we get there. We walk through the rain. We go to Allianz and they're, they're, they're warming up. And I'm like, oh, shit, there's TT. So I had the only kit I had was my, my USA kit. So I just open it up. I'm like, TT. And I start going like this. He stopped what he was doing to come over and talk to me in the middle, in the middle of him preparing. Like, you know, they're going to kick off in 10 minutes. And he, he came over to, to speak to me because he knew I was a USA fan. And that's something that. I think needs to tra is trying to transfer over in the U.S. game, and we'll talk about that later. But I mean, Southern Hemisphere. I'm a Blues guy. You know, I'm I'm an Auckland Blues guy. Um, I mean, I can always go for a good Scottish team if I need to. You know, my Edinburgh. my Edinburgh. Uh, Dungle Glasgow, Dungle Glasgow, Scott. <laughs> I got to. I got to. No. <laughs> so uh, okay. So who's your who's your football team then? Football team. Uh, I don't really follow football, but I am a Rangers guy. To be oh honest. God, we, me, and you just are not clicking on any. We're not. Table. We're not vibing at all. I'm a big hoops guy. I'm a big hoops so, guy. So, um, so just to make it even worse, I'm an XR Chiefs fan. 
Um, I don't actually have a Southern Hemisphere team. I like all the New Zealand franchises. Just sit back, enjoy the game. And yeah, mm-hmm. uh, so Edinburgh, rugby, and XR Chiefs are my, and Scotland, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously supporting your country. Um, yeah, no, just just because yeah. you mentioned just because you mentioned Chris Wiles, and he, to be fair, he was a good a good player when he was. What do you think of uh, Joe Tafetti and uh, David Ainutu on in the top fourteen in France? Fun fact, just before you answer that, uh, uh, David Ainutu and Joe Tafetti actually follow me on Instagram. I don't know why, but they <laughs> came out uh, they started following me. So I was like, all right, thank you. That's awesome, right? Isn't that cool? <laughs> what, who just started who? Uh, the, the MLR just started liking some of my posts on Instagram. And I'm like, what the, I'm like, why'd they hear me? I mean, maybe they hear me like on the television screen, which apparently when you're watching a Rooney match, I sit right on the, the field level. And apparently you can hear me screaming. My mother has told me multiple times. Um, so she's told, told me to watch my mouth. But anyway, I think it's great to have those guys move over because, you know, we like to say on the rugby rant, iron sharpens iron. So the better competition you're going to play in, the better you're going to be. And unfortunately, you know, McGinty, uh, uh, you, you were saying tearing it up for sale and he tore his knee up. Then he tore his knee. He, he yeah. tore it too hard. It went too hard. Yeah. To tear it up. But yeah. But, yeah, but I, he was just named uh, their player of the year, I think, for this season. So, I mean, it just yeah. goes to do that. You know, we have rugby, rugby players in America that can translate into <sighs> different uh, organizations and different unions to, to play professionally and work there. I mean, you know, Nick Savetta was, was a uh, Lancaster for a while. Um, he, he, he heard, you know, USA, he, I, I kind of knew he was going to come to Rooney at some point. He's from the area. Again, another guy who's, who literally, you know, could have lived down the block from me and Nick Savetta. And I think, you know, we were talking about, you know, he learned to play rugby in college. Yeah. Plays as an Eagle starts as an Eagle and played in the championship and, and, and in France. So, I mean, like and in Italy, so it go, just goes to show you, you know, you can learn those skills and play in an upper level, and 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 go play around the world. And it also helps that he was a lock and was born seven feet tall because you, you really can't <laughs> height. Yeah, you know, God gives you the height. He 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 might not give you the rugby skill, but he gives you that that seven feet. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I think that I think I've mentioned this to Sean. This was like a little off joke before we started recording before before I even knew you were coming on the show. I could only name like five. US players, maybe six, and that's covering 15 sevens and women's rugby. So it's AJ McGinty, David Ainuto, Joe Tafetti, uh, Perry Baker, Carolyn Isles, and Ilona Meyer of the women's sevens. So that's like the only six I can name. Dude, Alona is so. First of all, if you're watching, follow her on TikTok and Instagram. One, she's funny, and two, you should get your friends to follow her. She's doing like a 12 part series on how um, rugby sevens is played in the Olympics, and yeah. I've been literally just pulling her videos and throwing it on the rugby rant account because I want people to learn what's going to go on. Um, you know, she tells you exactly how the pool play works and the whole nine yards. So check her out on Instagram and, and TikTok. Again, she does funny stuff, but I think this particular series about how Sevens works is eye-opening for fans who've never watched it before. Yeah, absolutely agree. I already follow uh, Alona on Instagram and TikTok. Yeah. I, th- I, threw, I threw a shot to see if she would come on the show. She's not seen the message yet, so if she's listening, I thought she would do it. There you go. There's our, there's our second call. out. There you go. Um, so you're a Saracens fan. Are you still a Saracens fan? Are you loyal to the yeah. fan base? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I was part of the Saracen Supporters Association. Uh, Saracen's on tour. Still have friends. As a matter of fact, so me as a Rooney fan, well, my good friend Jason, who's a Rooney fan, 
I met him through the Saracens Supporters Association. You know, he lives in, in Pennsylvania. So Jason travels about three, three and a half hours each way to go to a Rooney home match because that's the closest. Um, yeah, that's the closest club to him. And we also have another friend who's an old Glory fan because she lives in Virginia and Sue Parks. So us three knew each other before the MLL started because we were all Saracens fans in the same fan club. And then when the MLR started, we all came together and said, you know, who are we watching? Who are we picking? You know, what matches are we going to? Um, so it's, it's, it's really cool to say you knew somebody before the MLR as a fan and why, you know, I, I yeah. find it cool. Well, you, you'll find this, you might find this interesting. Me, Sean, and Simeon, who isn't with us today, we've never been in the same room. We've never properly met. Okay. You want to hear something interesting? Go for it. Me, Ty Braga, and Rob Hammerschmidt, the other two hosts of the Rugby Rant, have never met before either. We there you go. See, just, nat- just natural connections, rugby connections. There you go. That's <laughs> just feed the, feed the podcast a bit more there. As a, as a matter of fact, the reason the show started was me and Rob got into a fight about Matthew Bastro. Because Rob, for being a coach and a referee and play, and being like, you know, 55 years old, that's we got talking about <laughs> Matthew Bastro and, and it was one of those conversations where, you know, it wasn't something that devolved into what we guys, we've seen people, conversations devolve into ugly rugby talk and, and nasty stuff. Me and him had point for point about why each other was wrong respectfully. And it was in Ty Braga's little Facebook group. And he said, why don't we put this on camera? And it's been 18 months and, you know, over a hundred shows. And, and you know, we're, we're getting people to interview like, uh, George uh, Killebrew, the commissioner of the MLR, Gary Gold, you know, Team USA head coach, and you know, it's it's kind of grown from there. It's a, like I still kind of pinch myself when we get guests on, you know, like Todd Clever was on recently, and I'm like, holy holy shit, it's Todd Clever. Holy you know, like, yeah, I'm like, eh, holy like, it, and you fanboy over people, and and it, it happens so much. It happens to Rooney. I, I tell everybody, <clears throat> I, I watched Kyle Sumption play rugby forever. He was on so in pro the in pro rugby, I took Seattle, I claimed, or excuse me, Sacramento, I claimed Sacramento as my team. Yeah, Four of those yeah. guys ended up being on Rooney in 2019, and I still, you know, I see Kyle all the time. Kyle kind of lives close to me, and I see him in the street, and I'm like, still fit, like, he's like, why do you do that? I'm like, I don't know, man. You're just, it's like, <laughs> you're at a certain level that I feel I'm never going to be at, <clears throat> so I just got to kind of get it out, and it might take a little while, you know? That's fair. I mean, like, because you're on about, like, uh, star-studded guest, I got the chance to interview David Rowe, who was part of the 1962 British and Irish mm-hmm. Lions tour, and just hearing about like rugby history and how it was for him, it, it was mesmerising. And yeah, and hopefully we're getting a bit more star-studded lineups soon. Can't really name drop names yet because they've not been confirmed. Yeah, but of course, of course. <laughs> You know, it's, it's fun. You're always pushing. And as people hear you and see you and you kind of get the word out and, and, you know, we kind of did that for the women's national team. You know, I, I had a friend who's on the women's national team. So Tess Fury, she's probably going to be uh, starting at fullback for, for uh, the Eagles um, in 15s. Um, I know her brother, Jake Therudy. And I said, hey, you know, come on the show. Can we clear it with, you know, the Eagles PR and all that? And that's always a challenge, you know, <laughs> cleared it. She came on. She did great. That put us, you know, on the next one, and it was Kate Zachary was the next one, you know, and we we interviewed her all the way from from London, and uh, you know we're looking to to build that, and you build those relationships, and and you get good interviews, and and I don't think we've had an interview with with somebody in rugby that was bad, or that didn't have high energy, or that didn't give you a tidbit of something you may not have known, and now you have that knowledge, and I think toot our own horns here, I think we're all doing a great job, guys. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely sounds like you're going in the right direction. I mean, 
uh, obviously Sean knows like the back, like the backroom calls it, like our messages that I try and put out, and like, I'm not dropping names or anything in here, but like I took a shot. Uh, what day is this? For Thursday? No, Tuesday today. Uh, so, Wednesday. Wednesday for Wednesday, me. When Wednesday, right? So it's yeah, uh, yeah. It's Wednesday here. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long day. <laughs> I messaged Sean on Monday saying that I got in touch with a professional club and it went a lot better than I thought. Yeah. I'm telling you, you're starting to realize, (laughs) you're starting to realize the value in quote unquote, non-mainstream media, although podcasting is mainstream, especially going about it with fans who are just fans. You know, I don't like the new England free Jacks. We've interviewed three new England free Jacks uh, players and, and one of the owners of the team. Because while I hate them on the field, you know, it's rugby culture, right? We, we love yeah. them off the field. And I, why wouldn't I want to put everybody in their best light out in the universe of whatever, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube, and whatever we're, we're doing? So, I mean, I think it's just um, a common thing. And, and you'll see, again, like if you put it out right, it'll come back to you tenfold right. Yeah, well said, Scott. I mean, you're definitely loving like our, our embodiment as for the fans, by the fans. And from what you're telling me so far, you're definitely – and that mantra as well. So <laughs> I tried. So, so fair play, to you. yeah. Yeah, um, Scott. Actually, one last question I have for you. Obviously, you've talked about this on the Ruby Ram podcast before, but a few weeks ago, it's confirmed that um, USA have submitted their bid for the 2027 and 2031 Ruby World Cups. So, how um, likely do you think it is? First of all, that USA will get it, um, and how important would you think that is for USA Rugby as a whole to get a World Cup? I don't think we're going to get 2027. I think that's a little too close, too early for me. Um, because if so, if you look at things now in the MLR, like so, for example, and you can blame this on COVID. So, Rugby United New York had to play their home matches at Cochrane Stadium. And the thing is, you know, you guys don't have the kind of weather we have, right? So, you know, for example, I got in one day, I got 33 inches of snow in just one day last winter. Yeah. So, to have a grass pitch, first of all, to own property into New- in New York, then have a grass pitch and pay the taxes and do everything and have the permits to sell beer, have the permits to sell food. It's it's insane how much it costs, right? So you, you take a club like Rugby United New York and they have to rent a lot of things. And then COVID, who wanted fans, you know, it, back starting in March, right? It was still before people were vaccinated and things like that in this country. So they get Cochrane Stadium, which is a municipal field, the city Jersey City owns it in New Jersey. Well, because it's municipal, it has soccer lines, American football lines, American lacrosse lines, and Amer- and field hockey lines. And, you know, it's something that a normal rugby fan looks at it, especially, you know, internationally goes, what the hell is this? But that's kind of what we have right now, right? Don't get me wrong. You can try and do it in NFL stadiums, and I'm sure in 2031 – by the time this picks up, you, you're, you'll have these NFL stadiums that are, are going to have um, Rugby World Cup matches. But it's all those little pool matches that I feel is it would be a struggle right now or in the next four years to find a place to play. Um, in the MLR right now, you know, in-touch areas aren't the same length in a bunch of places. So, for example, where Free Jacks played, their in-touch area or in-goal area is like, I don't know, four and a half meters or something long, you know? Like, yeah, it's ridiculous. So it's just not standardized in that way because of the way, you know, where and when people have to play. 
So, and then you get weird things like, you know, like I said, the grassy turf instead of grass. You get these weird bounces and guys don't know how to play them until they know how to play them. So I think until you can standardize some of the smaller pitches and venues, which is what I think is going could happen 10 years from now to do this and not necessarily four years from now to do this or whatever it is, three years from now. That's when you'll get the actual go ahead from world rugby to say, you can actually host this because you can host X, 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 and X. And to be honest, I think it should be a North American bid um, because Canada, why, why not have Canada involved to be quite honest? You know, I mean, it's yeah. at this point, obviously crossing the border is tough, but we're talking 10 years from now, we shouldn't be in a COVID world crossing the Canadian borders borders, very easy for Americans, you know, and vice versa. So, you know, I think it should be a, a dual bid, but you know, a North American bid, quote unquote. And once we have those facilities to maintain those pool matches, I think we'll be good to go. Okay. Yeah. No, um, I'm sure there's definitely a load of challenges, but um, I'm, do you think that it would have a big impact? Obviously we saw in Japan, the amount of school kids that took up rugby from, from the world cup, like the amount of numbers increased tenfold nearly. Do you think that would be, have a massive effect for USA rugby in North America, rugby in North America as a well, whole or? You know, I, I want to say yes, but I'm a, I'm a little hesitant. You know, we, we have, you know, I, I coach America <clears throat> football, and, you know, we have such a decline in contact sports for youth. Um, and we teach what, what we call the rugby tackle, you know, which is the Seahawks is, as Murray knows, perfected um, the wrap and roll style tackle. Um, so, you know, we've made the game safer and we, we know, you know, we have HIA in American rugby, essentially, uh, in American football, excuse me, essentially, at the youth level where if a referee or coach thinks you have an injury, head injury, you're out for the entire match until you get seen by your own medical professional. You know, so it's left off the field. You know, there, nobody's going to clear you on the field. If they think you had a head injury, you're out. Your helmet's taken away. I think that's still going to scare parents, regardless if you show them touch rugby, you know, and you show them all the nice South Africans and their bare feet playing, to, you know. The contact is still going to scare them. So I wonder if it's going to be as big of a push now that there are all these CTE concerns. And to be honest, I played who, eight years of American football. I played 10 years of hockey contact. I played four years of rugby. I played three years of, of lacrosse. I have a bachelor's. I have a master's. You know, I work in corporate America. You know, so let, let's be honest. Most kids aren't going to get to that level to have CTE anyway because they're not playing in college division one professional. So I think, you know, people need to temper their expectations about what happens playing. Um, and we'll see. So I want to be optimistic that it's going to create this boom, but also I do kind of see the writing on the wall where, where parents might not want their children to play. It's just the reality we live in here. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned it there. Um, you just mentioned about sevens or whatever, but is, I know sevens is pretty big over in, in the U S is, is sevens bigger than 15s currently? Cause obviously there's a load of teams and tournaments over there. But um, how was it over there? I want. I would say commercially, sevens is probably um, bigger because the the sevens tournament in Las Vegas was always on television. It was always on NBC. Um, AEG. Uh, I forgot the, what the acronym means, but Dan Lyle, who is uh, you know former USA Eagle, um, is with them. Um, they they're like an entertainment group, and they knew what they were doing when they put it in Vegas. It was a party atmosphere. People would, you know, the next day, I can't wait to go to Vegas next year to have this party atmosphere. They'd show it on television and it was very out there. So I think commercially, yes, you know, it's on the Olympics. We have the sevens. Now it's in LA. Um, but with TRN, with getting these local um, news uh, outlets to cover 15s and getting fans, you know, we're not getting a lot of fans, but we're getting enough right now. And um, if we can grow that fan base in 15s, I think it'll completely swallow uh, what was going on in sevens. But like I said, sevens right now, 
little more, a little bit bigger of a pop. But again, that was more just because they were on TV a lot. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, That's fair. Um, Simeon, Simeon asked us to ask a question. It was a th- thinking minute as a serious question, but it's more of a jokey question. But I'll ask it anyway. Um, so, Northern Hemisphere referee uh, JP Doyle is now over in the MLR. What do you have your opinions on JP being in the MLR, Scott? Uh, I think any any professional referee that wants to come and, and put and uh, apply their trade in the MLR is is a good thing. Um, I think. Because it's such an again, you know, America has such quote unquote niche sports with American football and baseball and hockey, and it's not really, you know, it's more northern North American than it is international. We need to have those international referees come in again. Like I was talking about with the players, iron sharpens iron. Same thing. You have these international referees come in who've been officiating these bigger matches, these bigger tournaments, whatever, and now you're getting the 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 MLR to do it, and you're kind of just getting in lockstep with how they're going to officiate a game or a match in the international level. Personally, I didn't like a couple of his calls, uh, Rooney against Free Jacks, and I'll tell you what they were. Um, He called advantage several times for Rooney, but then brought it back to the AR after Rooney had essentially, then maybe Sean saw it two or three times, we're running to score a try. So it's either advantage and they're going to score the try, or advantage should have been called over immediately, and then you speak to the to the assistant referee. Um, so I didn't understand that, especially the last one where Troy Lockyer was running down the sideline with nobody there, and all of a sudden he blows it dead to speak to the assistant referee. And the assistant said, "Well, it was it was a penalty uh, that uh, it was an infraction that New England had." And I said, "Then why did you stop the damn play?" <laughs> you know, yeah, that's, that's but, a strange one. Um, just yeah. like you mentioned about uh, like referees doing like bigger games and all that. Um, like obviously Ben Foden, Matthew Bassero that you've mentioned, uh, Chris Robshaw, uh, just to name a few. What do you, how do you feel on Tendai and Tarawira as well? Obviously known as the Beast. How do you feel like those big, like first tier players coming over to the MLR help expand I mean, it in a way? Yeah, well, I mean that's that's how we got French fans to become Rooney fans because Matthew Bassero was there. And to talk about Bassero, he still likes. My shit on Twitter. He still like he follows he follows Rooney. Like I've seen him in his Instagram posts, watching and following. You know, unfortunately, another guy sitting injured in France and just rehabbing for now. Um, when he decided to watch rugby, he went back to one of his old clubs in the United States. Um, poor Chris Robshaw, man. He he friggin' uh, dislocated the same shoulder twice. Poor freaking guy. Um, it's funny. A lot of these guys, for whatever reason, because uh, the Beast in 2020, he had quad issues. Um, uh, Rooney has uh, Juan Manuel Guzman. First 15 minutes, he makes a play, takes a step, and tears his knee. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's almost uncanny that, like, these guys can't stay healthy for whatever reason. Uh, yeah. in the Except for Ben Foden. Knock on wood, Ben Foden's good. As a matter of fact, check out his Instagram. He had like three or four stitches under the eye. I don't know if Vogue's going to call him for that photo shoot they wanted him for. <laughs> he, he put his face, he used his face. He, it, was, it was great. But I think it hooks in rugby fans like me to say, hey, they're invested. Um, I mean, Ben Foden lives here in New York. He doesn't like go back to, to England or Ireland. I know yeah. his wife's Irish. And he, you know, he goes like you'll see. He goes to concerts here, and he brings the guys. Like they went and watched, you know, Brooklyn basketball when they were in the playoffs to to bond with the team. So, to yeah, me, it yeah. seems like these guys are, are buying into it, and that's what I like to see. Just a few more. Just it's yeah. probably going to be the same answer, but I just 
uh, realised that there's a few Scottish players across in the MLR now. Um, Dougie Fife, Adam Ash, and Glenn Bryce. Just want to know how you think they're getting on. I know Dougie Fife's been doing relatively well. And Dougie Fife can kiss my ass because he was part of that New England team that beat Rooney this past weekend. No, but he's been doing he's been doing great. <laughs> now he's been he's been doing great. Adam Ash has been friggin' outstanding too. I mean, you know, and and I think uh, uh, Scottish Rugby Union is what like a minority owner in the in the Old Glory. You know, yeah, so, a partnership with Old Glory DC. Yeah, yeah. So that so you know, it's you see that these rugby unions want to be part of America. They want to be part of this giant. And it's funny you you think that they would be outgrowing themselves and they're not. I think they're growing at a steady pace that's setting themselves up for a big pop eventually. Cause sometimes if you have that pop too soon and that bubble burst, you never get it back. Right. So I think the MLR by doing this, you know, a lot, the ownership has changed a lot in the MLR. So like Rooney, for example, was really under a single owner. He was bought out by the Bolton group and two guys who used to run Stodd. So you see the Bolton group who was part of Auckland blues. You see two guys who used to be with Stodd Francais, like, why, like, why else would you be part of it unless you thought it was it was on a trajectory to 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 do well, you know? And and yeah, to me yeah. as a fan, that's that's what I see, and that's that's a positive, you know. Well, yeah, I totally agree with you on that one, Scott. All, all I'm saying is, if going back to the Rugby World Cup, if if the US hosts that <laughs> rugby rugby connection and rugby rant, they're gonna oh yeah probably <laughs> get drunk probably get drunk together more than anything. But yeah, definitely. <laughs> No, yeah, it's it's. I, I'm I'm hope so. Um, you know, I, I want to try and go uh, to the next World Cup, but I don't think my wife will let me. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, Got to play by her rules. But yeah, no, definitely. If you guys come over, even if it's you know next time Scotland plays the Eagles in a Test match and it's over here, come over. When I you know Ireland's coming over in October. I don't know if you if Shawnee's uh, making a trip yet. I'm not too sure. I don't know if I have that money. I shall have to see. <laughs> It was funny. I, I I booked my fifth wedding anniversary uh, uh, um, weekend, and it's the week before. And then, like two weeks later, after I booked it, they're like, "Oh yeah, by the way, we're playing Ireland." Like, Shit. I was caught between two nights. Like, save up for fun, uh, for France twenty twenty three, or do I go to the Lions against Japan game at Murrayfield? I got the Lions tickets, <laughs> and my ticket was valid, so. I've had my I've had my like once in a lifetime ticket opportunity. So, but yeah, if I mean if the USA ever come across here, like they're across here they're now, they're playing Ireland next week. Let's just get a little instigation on who's going to win, lads. Listen, I I, I here this is a, if you guys are watching uh, my show, the Rugby Rant, I say Ireland beats us by twenty. The only reason is I think Ireland and uh, Japan was way too close to beating Ireland, and they're those guys are going to have a statement game saying that was a fluke. So I think they're going to play a little harder and play a little differently and want to punch the U.S. in the mouth. So I'm going to say the point differential. I think they, they beat USA by twenty, but that's just because they they kind of have something a little more to play for. That's fair. Um, I mean USA did do very well against England. We we discussed that in depth on our show last week because we episode five is not one came out so episode four we discussed that in depth and yeah fair play is I think you definitely caught England sleeping anyway and that's yeah. what the issue is where like tier like you are a tier two nation and mm-hmm. like rugby perspective so if you can't caught sleeping it doesn't matter what team it is if you get caught sleeping then they're going to hurt you or try and do some damage for the main. 
I mean, and, and also, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, well, England had whatever, 12 debutants. Well, USA had six. Um, T.T. Lamas not playing. A.J. McGinty not playing. Will Hooley not playing. Um, the, you know, it, you had a whole bunch of guys who, who couldn't compete due to injury. So in my mind, you were playing the USA B squad anyway. So it was the England B or C squad versus the USA B squad. So yeah. it was funny because there was a lot of English players going, or a lot of English fans going, oh, but you played the B squad. And I'm like, yeah, but you played the American B squad. So what are we talking about? You know, it was, uh, it was interesting. Well, because they don't know the American game. So they're just assuming we're always putting the best team out on the field. And yeah. that just wasn't the case in, in this, you know, this tour. And we're trying to get some of the young guys in, in the back line together so for those fans that that don't watch usa eagles we have a pretty set front pack even though we had a bunch of injuries the the caps are there the guys are, are you know nate Brakeley, nick savetta nick savetta hanko hermesites um uh, uh cam dolan you know so those guys you know perennial eagles and then the back line is a little younger a lot of on cap players but that's how gary gold wanted it you know so it's just i think a different perspective and i think what needs to happen is like we, as an American, I will research what's going on when we play England and Ireland. I feel like the UK fans don't research what's going on for American rugby, and they should start because the, that gap is starting to close. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when the squads were announced, like I, like I mentioned to you earlier, I only know six players across like all of USA rugby, and three of them just happened to play for for the fifteen, uh, the men's 15 side, and two did play against England. So I was like, yes, that's my boy. It's like, <laughs> Stuff like that, but yeah, definitely the, the tier two nations. So like USA, Canada, uh, Fiji, Samoa, maybe not Tonga because that's a touchy subject at the moment. Um, yeah. But they're all like pushing and doing well, and because like people are sleeping on them, just out of sheer stubbornness more than anything. Um, yeah, it's, it's like how how they get in this course. We'll see if you actually like watch their games, you'll mm-hmm. understand why. And yeah. It's, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, and it's and 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 you could tell, like you know, like I said, uh, with the Americans, certain again, certain guys didn't get a start. My buddy Hanko Hermesice, I mean, the dude's a perennial starter. For whatever reason, didn't get a start because they wanted to play some other guys. Came in, and three minutes later, he's scoring a try using his head, running over a bunch of English players. You know, and again, so in my head, I went, okay, they put out the team that they want to kind of gel a little bit versus maybe the best team to beat England. And that's always something that is, I think, on a tier two nation's mind, especially in Rugby Canada and, and Team USA, is not necessarily winning, but what are you trying to do to set up for maybe the next World Cup or the Canadian qualifiers is, are the biggest, are the next biggest matches for us. You know, the, the game against Ireland, yeah, it's, it's a moneymaker, but it doesn't really help us, you know, on the world stage Right, but those qualifiers against Canada get to get that number one spot for for the the Rugby World Cup. Now that's what I think Gary Gold's aiming at. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, hopefully that you just get past the qualifiers and you're into the World Cup. We're we can't complete. We're already qualified, so we are going head to head, though, aren't we, Sean? So yeah, we are. That's going to be uh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Scott, um, last question for me, Ernie, before we finish up, if you could look into your crystal ball and look to the MLR championship final who's going to play and what's the score going to be I mean my my heart says Rooney I'd say my heart says a rematch between Rooney and Utah and uh the previous match this season saw Utah winning by one in a very tight match um but honestly you know LA has been 
un, has remained unbeaten against all their Western conference opponents. They've lost the three Eastern conference opponents. So if they continue that run, you know, they'll, they'll, they have smooth sailing going in. And to be honest, between Nola Rooney and Atlanta, it's hard to pick who, so Rooney has beaten Atlanta twice, even though Atlanta is number one in the conference. Uh, Atlanta has beaten Nola twice and Nola uh, and Nola and Rooney Nola won the first one and the second one's coming up. So between the top three guys, it could be that they've each beat each other twice. Um, if you, if I had to drill down, I'd probably say Atlanta. Um, they were the least hurt I feel uh, with the internationals. Um, so they've kind of maintained some continuity there in their team. So my heart says Rooney versus Utah. My head says Atlanta versus LA and Atlanta beat LA the first time. Um, and if they're at a neutral field, I'd say LA by three because they want something to prove, but it, it would be a tough match. Yeah, any any of those teams playing in the final seems like they'd be exciting games. It'd be a nice bit of a change to not see San Diego and Seattle play in the final row. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, they're bottom of the barrel this season. Uh, you know, San Diego due to injuries. Seattle was a little more. It, it's funny because I think Austin was this way in 2019, where organizationally they were kind of in disarray and it kind of dripped down to management and field level. And I think that that that's what hurt Seattle this season, but, you know, expect them to come back strong and San Diego to come back strong next season and, you know, put a whooping on the Giltinis. Right. Absolutely. I like those, uh, like those calls. Well, um, I think we've pretty much said everything we want. Murray, do you have anything else you want to say? Or? No, I think I've, I've, I mean, I've learned, learned a lot, especially about USA rugby and the MLR. So, uh, just thanks Scott for giving yeah, me insight and but change your premiership team, please. <laughs> no, I got I I have I have the Fez. Uh, I was actually yeah, I was on TV when they played uh who they played they played Newcastle in Philadelphia and I was I was on uh on whatever whenever they were broadcasting in, in the UK and I was on television holding the banner with my my Fez on and everything. It was great. That's quite cool. I'll, I'll let you off then. <laughs> Um, Scott, if people want to find you online, where, th- where can they find you? So you can check us out at Rugby Rant Pod on all social media. Um, that show, we have um, our RPK run, pass, or kick interviews on Monday nights. And then you can check out our actual Rugby Rant episodes on Friday on TRN um, every Friday morning. And then if you want to catch uh, kind of like deleted scene episode type stuff Thursday night before um, on our Facebook page at Rugby Rant Pod. Uh, you kind of get a little more out of those episodes than you would in TRN. Um, and follow me for, for Rugby United News at Rooney Fans on all social media. And uh, if you're ever in you know the New York City area and Rooney's playing, contact me. I'll get you some tickets. We, you know, we'll go out. Um, if you're in the New York City area and you want to do anything as far as uh, uh, rugby, go to my buddy Cormac's Bar, the Pig and Whistle on 36th Street. Um, it is literally the number one rugby bar in the country. Um, I'll put it this way. When like Lions... Six Nations, anything Rugby World Cup related. If you don't get there two to three hours early, you're not getting in. Um, so go check out the Pig and Whistle on 36th Street in Manhattan. If, if you're in the area and there's no rugby going on, you can catch some rugby there. And they probably have the best pint of Guinness I've ever drank in North America. So One thing I will say is uh, Matt McCarthy would like that shout out there anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I love Maddie. Maddie's great. Uh, I love seeing him at the Rooney matches. And that's, yeah, that he does his 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 stuff there. So it's it's awesome. To me, as you see, I have a, a terrible setup for my for my show. Uh, Matt gets to do it at the number one rugby pub in, uh, in America. So, yeah, no. Um, well, Scott, thanks a million for coming on. We really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, guys. 
Thanks, everyone. That's been episode four of Guest Thursdays on the Rugby Connection podcast, and we'll see you all next week.